Okay, like I said, well, it, black people were moving in up there, you know, on, uh, like I said, Westminster and Maryland Avenues and, uh, uh, but in those areas, uh, and they're still there today, they, they were more or less stopped by sheer economics uh, because you get up West Pine and you get into drastically higher rents, uh, like uh, 4466 and the, those uh, big Monticello apartments and that on West Pine, and up toward uh, Euclid Avenue, uh, the rents and uh, that become, yeah, so there's not a lot of uh, movement there in, in that area. Uh, so there, I never was in the area that I worked in. It was all black already, and there was not a lot of movement, you know, as far as white people moving out, black people moving in. I worked in it. was a pretty stable area, and uh, it's it's remained pretty much the same. Now, they've tore down a lot, uh, but they've uh, rebuilt, like the, they tore down uh, all of Thomas Street and then renamed it, what, James Cool Papa Bell, and then put up all the apartments there, but it's still, you know, Basically, the same people. You know, it has. There's been no ethnic or uh, race changes in there. No uh, upheavals of. You know, it's just has remained the same. So, ge geographically speaking, just that area there. Okay. Now, later on, uh, when I went in the ETU, there was a lot of movement up into the sixth district. You know, and a lot of white people moving out, black people moving in, a lot of transition in that. Uh, what you know. is ETU and what's the sixth district? Uh, okay. ETU is uh, evidence technician unit. I want their evidence technician. Te technician unit. Yeah, I, I, I went there in 1971, and I worked there until I, well, I had a four years off at the NID. But I worked there from 1971 to 1990 till I retired. The 6th District. Okay, the 6th District is the, uh, it was at the Union and the West Florissant. Uh, it, there was a, Going over towards Natural Bridge? I mean. Well, it's from Natural, let's see, their boundaries are from Natural Bridge to the river and from basically Harris Street to the city limits, so it's a huge area. And uh, that was a, a lot of, it was, it, well, basically all white, uh, except for up and down Natural Bridge and uh, uh, west of uh, Fairgrounds Park and out there, there was blacks moving up in through there. and. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was pretty over to Lee Avenue was was up to King's Highway was pretty much all black, uh, and but there was a lot of uh, white people living all up through. Uh, it's called Walnut Park. Yeah, well, then <clears throat> a lot of white people were moving out, a lot of black people moving in, and uh, a lot of turmoil in that there, and a lot of burglaries. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a lot of uh, crime, you know, uh, because of, uh, of, of this change, you know, there are people are, there's all kinds of new people in the neighborhood, nobody knows who they are, where they come from, 
where they go, you know, they're breaking into houses and that, and you know, burglarizing the places, and uh, uh, all the white people are moving out to get away from this. <clears throat> and, uh, and they call that white flight. Right, white flight. And uh, we, me and another guy, uh, was turning in one day, and we're on an elevator. Turned in. Turning in downtown. We said turn in downtown. What does turn in mean? Well, carry your equipment down and all your investigations for the day and that. Well, we'd go to our office and uh, turn in, in our in reports. Right. Mm -hmm. Got it. And uh, so we were we were turning in one day, and we were riding the elevator up, and somebody said, "Hey, how's things going out in Walnut Park?" And <laughs> this guy was was <laughs> the burglars are carrying it away, and. Uh, we later, I think it was the next day, got a note that we ought to keep our opinions to ourselves. One of the uh, uh, lieutenant colonels heard us say that, and uh, we were joking about the burglars uh, carrying the Walnut Park away, and uh, he thought that we should keep our opinions to ourselves in order not to uh, uh, cause any more fright <laughs> to the people that are already there. <laughs> So then, then we expounded on you know. Of course, we didn't say nothing to the colonel, but we you know we kept talking to, amongst ourselves about you know what happened to the freedom of speech and all of that. You know. Uh, no, no. <laughs> when we were changing the tape, you you were making the comment that, uh, and I'd like to have it on tape about Mill Creek was not as. Oh, okay, Mill Creek, uh, uh, Mill Creek. I don't think, and of course this is just my perception again, I, I don't think it was as bad as a slum area as this, those areas along Pine Street and Chestnut in front of Union Station before they tore those down. Those seem to be uh, a lot lower class slums, <laughs> you know, of course they were all slums. but uh, it, I, I never felt unsafe in there. Not at all. Okay. Um, during the 60s, we had um, changes, and I think many of them might have taken place in that area. We had um, people protesting core, Congress of Racial Equality. Yeah, and Jefferson Bank. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Jefferson Bank. We had the Ivory Perry. Did you know who Ivory Perry was? Yeah. Activist. Yeah. Mm hmm. I think he did a lot of chaining himself to different yeah, things. Yeah, and, and uh, Percy Green. Right. The action. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm familiar with all of those. And the VP. Yeah, fair. Uh, mm -hmm. Floats right. that were stopping. Uh, I don't know what you want to comment on, where it involved you personally, or things that were just in your district, or what you heard other people saying, but. It's a lot. To, I'm putting a lot on your plate, and we can take it one at a time. But uh, I, I'm trying okay. to get a feel. For yeah. During a lot of this, uh, let's see. I went from the, the ninth district to communications for about I want to say four years, uh, and so I was removed from the direct confrontations at the time. Right there, uh, there was a lot of uh, comments about you know. Uh, these niggers are doing this and, you know, making it, you know, uh, especially like with the VP uh, uh, parade and that there, they were 
undermining age-old traditions in St. Louis by, you know, doing some of the things uh, that they did with the VP Fair uh, or VP at that parade, parade, right? Yeah. Fair is like yeah, a right. At, uh, uh, but uh, there was a lot of uh, comments in that there, but I was removed from that uh, because I had gotten transferred down to the communications division and was there for, like I said, I'm not really sure when I left, uh, 64, 65, right along in there. So a lot of that had went by the wayside. Uh, where to, where to, they used to chain themselves to the, to the Jefferson Bank and that there. Uh, I was in communications then and there was a lot of uh, uh, preparation, you know, for these events, you know. Uh, a lot of uh, good planning in that there, uh, and then of course it was busy. Uh, I don't know that they changed them. Did they change themselves the Jefferson Bank? Yeah, I think so. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there was uh, there was some blacks and whites together, but it was like Action and Percy Green's group in that there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, I'm trying to think. Wasn't there a Catholic sister involved in that too? Mm -hmm. I can't think of her name. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, they were all involved in that. Yeah, so they went to jail? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but like I said, I was kind of removed from that. And when I came out of the ninth, back into the ninth district, uh, that had changed a little bit. The focus then was on the Vietnam War and all these uh, political protests. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, we were supposed to, like when the riots were going on in uh, Newark and uh, Los Angeles and that there, we were expecting a lot of trouble here, and it just didn't materialize. Why do you think that St. Louis has never had the kind of a riot or, I mean, I think maybe small things like fairgrounds, a swimming pool, if you had anything to do with that? That was before my time. Yeah, before. Um, if they, why do you suppose that, that St. Louis has, has not um, had that kind of thing? <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, and I, and I, we talked about this. When I worked we at, talked about it. Yeah, well, me and, uh, yeah, me and my partner, and I used to ride, we used to ride in an area called a hole in, uh, yeah, it was in the ninth district, and they still call it the hole. Uh, it's what, a, did, what was it comprised of? Uh, it's an all-black area. Uh, it's basically from North Market Street to uh, uh, Franklin and uh, uh, yeah, North Market to Martin Luther King now, and from uh, let's say Grand to uh, Jefferson. We used to call that the hole, and uh, that was. Oh, it, it, it's a you know it's all solid black area, no uh, businesses or anything like that. It's all residential, all. Uh, uh, and we were riding down there at the time, and uh, uh, you would, you know. The nights that these riots were supposed to happen, there was just nobody on the street, nobody, you know. And I think that was a 
what was it, Friday or Saturday night? We went, we used to average. Why was it supposed to happen then? Uh, well, was this when Martin that, Luther King died, maybe? Uh, yeah, and they had the riots, the riots in the, uh, Los Angeles and Newark were going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, things, you know, were real tense in St. Louis. And, uh, but I think the biggest bulk of the people didn't want this, you know, that, you know, and there were, there were no incidents that could have sparked it at the, at the moment. Uh, you know, they all seemed to need some kind of a spark to set them off, and the, the, the spark just wasn't provided here in St. Louis. There was no big confrontations, no, you know, uh, those nights that the riots were supposed to go down, there was just, nobody was on the street. It was just like everybody stayed home. It was kind of eerie. <laughs> from, from pre go ahead. But we, we used to average on it. it. I used to ride in a car called, it was a call Adam 9, it was a whole car. And uh, we used to average anywhere from, well, depending on how much report writing you had to do, but we would average anywhere from 12 to 20 radio calls a night. Uh, and on the nights that we were supposed to have the riots, I remember that one night we only had one call. One call, and it was uh, a some somebody tried to firebomb uh, one of the Jewish businesses down on Franklin Avenue, and the firebomb just didn't go off, and there was no you know nothing happened. I have um, I've heard that uh, people like uh, Ivory Perry and others during those times went through neighborhoods and said, "Don't don't do this. Don't mm -hmm. burn your own." I don't know if we're all talking about the same time. Uh, you said that you really weren't on the street at, in 68. No, no, I was in 68. Oh, you were back on the yeah, street in 68. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So are, are, let me get this straight. Are we talking about when Martin Luther King? Yeah. This is, this is right. what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There was a march, uh, I believe, uh, around the park area Yeah, I remember just vaguely that there, but I wasn't involved directly in that. But uh, see, leading up to that, when, uh, let's see, there was me and a guy named Jim Shelton used to ride together, and like I say, yeah, white guy. And uh, we were, uh, these uh, riots were supposed to, you know, they were going on at the time in Newark and uh, in uh, Los Angeles and Philadelphia too, I think. And uh, we were fully expecting, you know, something here, but it was, it just never materialized. Well, were you given extra training? Were you given extra talking to the yeah. police? What, what, tell me about that. Well, that's a long time ago now. I know. <laughs> I'm asking a lot of you. Yeah. Uh, when every night you stay in roll call or whenever your shift begins, you stay in roll call. And uh, they would tell you what's going on and what to expect, and don't do this and don't do that. You know, don't you know? You know, if if it's a 
a question of making an arrest, you know, if it's just something that can be, uh, if it's going to turn into something big, just kind of let it let it lie, and we'll go back later and arrest the people later, you know, things like that. You know, don't don't cause a big confrontation, you know, uh, and uh, you know, not to uh, get over overly zealous, <laughs> and. Uh, so we kind of just we kind of just laid laid low and just kind of waited for things. We know we didn't try to stir up anything. We didn't, you know, when the, all these were going on, we didn't write any traffic tickets or anything. Uh, well, let's see. I'm trying to think. Well, we were so busy, you know, in my area that you know we just hardly never did have time to write any traffic tickets and that there. But we didn't, you know, most of our Things were domestic dis violence and domestic disturbances and th stuff like that. Did you like your work? Uh, that's a good question. I liked phases of it, yeah. Sometimes it was so much fun, you didn't want to take a day off. Uh, when was that? What was fun? Just, just to work, you know. All this is new, and that uh, uh, when I first uh, went on a police department, it was all new, all fun, you know. And uh, I used to say that, uh, you know, that's where people would get tracked into it. You know, you'd, the first ten or fifteen years go by was so much fun. You just, uh, you know, by the time you woke up <laughs> to what you were in, it was too late to make a career change. <laughs> so, but. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, uh, of course, you have good times and bad, you know, but uh, uh, I, again, going back to my own personality, I never thought that I was that adequate of a person. I always thought I tried to do a good job all the time. Uh, but, of course, I messed up, too, from time to time, you know. Uh, but I basically enjoyed it. Uh, uh, that, that's a good question. You know, did I, even, you know, in the scout car, running up and down the streets, uh, handling different kinds of calls and stuff like that there, I, I kind of, there of course, you know, sometimes you get good nights, sometimes bad, but uh, I think on the whole, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the, uh, the the constant excitement. You know, you don't know what's coming up next, or uh, or you know, like I say, I rode in a whole car. You know, on a Friday and Saturday night, it was nothing to get uh, two or three people cut, uh, maybe one shot. You know, during your in, on one night, and you come back the next night, you're going to go right through the same thing again. You know, so. Uh, you know, gonna have fights and uh, people shot, people cut. You know, all this excitement. You know. See, you're using words like fun and excitement and stuff like that. And while you're using those words, I'm thinking courage yeah. and fear. Uh, well, I I guess you just. I don't know. I I think of things like courage as uh, 
Sometimes you do something and say, what did I do that for? That was really dumb. Uh, I guess it's a matter of perspective. I chased a couple of guys into the projects there at the 12th and uh, Park one night and chased them across the, the compound and was going to shoot them or was going to take a shot at them. And, uh, I don't, and I'm all by myself. I don't know if that's courage or stupidity. That's uh, uh, that's a good question. Fear. Uh, sometimes I was afraid, and sometimes I wasn't. Just dependent uh, on a situation. Uh, I I guess one of my most fearful moments was down in the same project I just described. The project was uh, Darst Webby. Uh, I got surrounded by a group of young youths, <laughs> and uh, uh, my skin was crawling for a few minutes then, but I managed to uh, come right out of that. How <laughs> you managed to come right out? Well, I just pull out my gun and I says, all right, you make a hole. <laughs> make a hole? I step aside. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I went Would on. that work today? Well, that hasn't been that long ago. Uh, I'd venture to say that's probably, it probably, it, I, it probably would. So, uh, Is there a... That's only been... Five, six years ago, maybe. Do you think that St. Louis is is um, is it as polarized as people say? Is it, are there two societies? I think St. Louis is. Yeah, I th it, definitely. I do. Uh, More than other, I, you know. I, yeah. I, bec I, I, well, uh, I've never lived, uh, you know, yeah. up in Chicago, or. Uh, New York, where they got more ethnically mixed neighborhoods. Uh, I think I think St. Louis is, you know, like a division, uh, like a like a line. You know, it's, it's just like a, uh, for instance, one. It's just like you know they uh, when they went moving up north, it just it's just like a wave. It just swept all the white people out, except very few. I, I can't recall now, uh, other than the fifth district, it's just like a wave that's just swept all the white people out, you know. And the white people that tried to stay out and tried to stay there, they were victimized so much that, uh, you know, just how much of that can you take, you know. Now, this is what area? That was, would be the sixth district. Sixth district. Again, back to the sixth district. Now the fifth district was uh, they they claim that that is naturally how do they put it naturally integrated, uh, and the reason for that being is uh, that all the people, you know, black and white, are more or less the same uh, economic base, and uh, you know they haven't haven't got any other choice. And that is what they're economically no, tied to that area. No, I mean fifth district. Oh, that's 19th and Penrose. It, uh, that's what they call a near north side now. Mm -hmm. 
So you you still got your that's that's the only place uh, that I can think of offhand right now that really has enclaves of you know black and white. Uh, well now see now you see you get a lot of black people moving south now. See uh, like those uh, Spring and Itasca apartments. They that's all black now, uh, and that's more or less like a uh, an enclave, so to speak, like a springboard for you know other you know. So you feel that, that for the most part, you say it in your words, St. Louis is yeah divided racially, right? It's uh, almost as if you drew a line, you know, uh, just about. Uh, well, see, I haven't been up in, uh, but it is. It's almost like a, you would draw a line, uh, you know, right down a certain street and say, black's over here, white's over here. What's a certain street? Well, it's changing now. It used to be markings a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, Shoto Avenue was a barrier. Well, the Mill Creek was a barrier for a while too, because it, it's a it was a, a, a natural barrier, you know, where you, it, you know, you didn't see a whole lot of black people crossing that way because it was it was inconvenient, you know. It just, you know, there was no natural thoroughfare. So natural barriers, I think, had played a big role in. Uh, in, uh, the way cities were laid out. Well, the way St. Louis has, has uh, integrated, let's put it that way. Uh, it, these natural barriers, you know, have kept, you know, uh, a lot of mingling. See, you, you still got a little bit on the fringes, but it's not, you know, again, I'm not that much of an authority on Chicago out there, but. Uh, on the streets that I, that I live on and have lived on, you know, it's either all white or if there's a few black people move in, well, and all of a sudden, bingo, all the for sale signs go up. People fear a reduction in their property values and that there, and that's, uh, I think, substantiated historically that uh, people, you know, have nice houses and stuff like that, and on a, on a market, where uh, you could, let's say, get $50,000 for a home while the blacks start moving in, whether your property values take a nosedive. And uh, because that brings, white people are fearful of moving into the neighborhood. They're fearful, they don't want to send their kids to uh, black schools and that there, or, you know, and uh, uh, they just, uh, you know, because of that, they won't buy in these neighborhoods, and uh, then your property values go down. So then it becomes a matter of economics. The fear that we all talk about um, has it changed? It's still fear. It was fear. 30 years ago, it's fear now, but has the Oh, fear I think it's changed drastically. I think uh, what you would fear 30 years ago would be physical pain and, uh, you know, but now, you know, with uh, so many guns on the street and all these young gangs going around trying to, you know, uh, 
intimidate people in that there through uh, violence in that there. Uh, I think uh, in the, the lack of, uh, well, not the lack of, but the inadequacies of our laws to prosecute these people in that in the way our court system is, uh, uh, has become that uh, I think people rather than get involved in this would rather move away from it you know you got like this guy that got killed up there on Grand Avenue the other night there's absolutely no reason in the world you know why they should have killed that guy they're just flat out not murdering just to initiate a guy into a to a gang group and uh, this was black yeah the blacks kill a white guy they rob you about twenty dollars at the ATM a couple of two or three nights ago well, see, a lot of people, a lot of your white people are saying, you know, I don't want to get involved in this, and they'll, they'll move on out, you know. Why do you think blacks kill blacks? Blacks kill whites, too. But <laughs> you mean later, later date deals? Uh, well, there's now. I think a, a lot of it has to do with your dope trades and that there. A lot of that there, a lot of your killings, blacks among blacks, are... Uh, over over dope, over territory, over you know the money that's gotten from it. Uh, and what are the random shootings where these children are getting killed? Well, the shootings aren't random. The shootings are they're shooting at somebody. at somebody that happens to be in a group, but it's they call it random shootings, but that's a to me a misnomer. There's somebody in that group that they're sending a message to, you know, by firing a few shots uh, into the crowd. Now they, they used to just fire them at the house. They used to, a long time ago, they'd go by and shoot, just shoot the house up, you know, and say this is a warning, you know. Uh, yeah. But now it, it doesn't seem to matter if there's 15 people out there, they just shoot at all of them, you know. And some innocent people, you know, when you got that many shots flying around here, there's innocent people going to get hit. If you had the power to change things, what would you do? I mean, as far as a crime and that? As far as, far as anything that would maybe help to make people get along better. Well, okay. I, I've got several thoughts along that line. Uh, if you had the power to, you know, I, th I think the police department ought to go back to, uh, to, but it takes community support at the same time, uh, go back to when uh, they used to stop people on the street and shake them down, and if they had guns on them, take the guns away from them. And uh, they don't do that now as much as they used to back in the early 60s. Uh, I don't know if you're ever going to have people get along like you say without without getting back to starting with your people and, and your real young people, uh, uh, young children, three, four, five years old, uh, that when they go to daycare centers and in the schools and that teach them good values, a good value system. I think that it's, that's where this is all breaking down at. There's, since uh, there has been an assault on 
the, in my opinion, an assault, an assault on the educational process for years and to where there has the, the discipline. I was talking about anarchy. Uh, we were reaching it. There has been a breakdown in discipline, and I, I blame uh, a lot of it. I blame on the parents, uh, but there and a lot of it I blame on the school system and on our, our judicial system, where they've allowed this deterioration of discipline and lack of values to create a state of anarchy, which is about what you've got now. The police can't do nothing because their hands are tied, and you've got a condition almost of a survival of the fittest. Uh, uh, go, uh, that if uh, you can't take care of yourself, uh, there's nobody gonna do it for you, you know. Especially with these gangs, and that's why they're all packing guns and that there these uh, you know if you don't have your gun in your pockets you're out of luck because if you get we used to have a saying you know it's like the American Express card it's best to get caught with it than without it because if you get caught without it you're going to be dead but uh, I think that uh, that if I had the power to do anything uh, that that would be probably the highest priority would be go back to the school systems and, and set up a more strict code of discipline and carry through with it. Uh, don't, uh, if somebody violates the discipline uh, in that there, then just remove them. See, I think that's where they, they've fallen short a long time ago. So, how do you how do you think the uh, police department has changed, and what we're discussing in this? Uh... They say it's really drastically changed even since I've left. <laughs> so, uh, and their attitude, their perceptions of things. I think. The police department, I think, and everybody in general, they have like a siege mentality, and I'm I'm right with them uh, that you know everybody's out to you know to get them. Siege. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, siege mentality, where they think the whole community's against them, and. Uh, Is that true? I think it's a perception yeah, that. And they and they perceive it to be true, although it's. I think they most policemen think that the community is not a hundred percent behind them, you know, not at all. Especially uh, uh, in the views of these Rodney King incidents and things like that. There, I think the the police uh, feel like they're. Uh, a necessary evil, maybe uh, that'd be a way to put it. That the community doesn't really want them there uh, to do their job. Uh, I think that's how a lot of them perceive it. How, how 
Well, now, see, that again, that's happened since I've left, just mm -hmm. from my own parochial. How did it affect you? From my own parochial viewpoint, I view that uh, as an, uh, an assault upon law enforcement as a whole, uh, where you had these guys were tried and convicted and uh, found innocent. And I'm not saying that they were innocent or they weren't, you know. Uh, uh, but then to go back and retry him again as a uh, vendetta, I think, uh, was, uh, I think that went a long way to undermine a lot of your uh, uh, confidence in, in policemen all through the country. And I, I think it'll have, uh, well, it already has an impact, I think. I think it, uh, policemen, you know, most of your good police working out there used to come from aggressive police work and protecting the community from, you know, these, these people that are committing crimes are, are barbaric, violent people. And uh, uh, when a, a policeman, uh, he's working, a, uh, this is a job to him, and he's got a, in a lot of instances, a wife and a child and that to support and children and that in a home and and uh, if he's, you know, instead of being aggressive, if he just, uh, uh, you know, just does the bare minimum to get by, then see you've lost, you've lost that there, uh, uh, not cutting edge, but you've lost that uh, area to where you used to get a lot of people uh, and arrest them and get them out of the neighborhoods that are now causing all this turmoil in the neighborhoods, see? So they're not, uh, they're more or less like, uh, <coughs> I would say, <coughs> to make an analogy like carrier pigeons, they fly in and take the information on a crime and fly back out. <laughs> They don't go in and do a, a good, solid job, and because of incidents like this. And I would be, you know, you know, it's, uh, you know, if you see a guy stealing a car and that there, and it's going to cause a, a an incident, and then, or if you uh, start to chase him and that there, well, I got even got rules now against not chasing stolen cars, you know. So what do you do? Let him get away with the crime, you know. So you just put it down on a piece of paper and say, okay, that's, the guy got away with a car, you know. See, so you're letting people get away with crimes uh, and it's getting, you know, so that's getting more prevalent and more prevalent. So it's, See, so it's a weakening of the whole process, right? It's, it, it, it makes a, you may attract a different kind of person to be a policeman. It's a watered down, mm -hmm. you know, nobody wants to put their, Something along. Right. Okay. Um, to change a little bit, um, now you're you're at the zoo. Mm -hmm. um, and it, what is it? You're a zoo ranger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
your job at the zoo is, what does the zoo ranger do? Basically protect the public. <laughs> From each other. Right. Um, when you see people at the zoo, do you see more interacting of black and white and all kinds of people um, than maybe one used to? Uh, to some extent, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, to to some extent, yeah. Not a, not so many interactions I see aren't aren't good, <laughs> but then uh, you know we had fights between blacks and whites and that, uh, uh, but. Uh, like some families that might come with other people, that kind yeah. of Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, a zoo is a good place for that because uh, their people are out with their families and with their children, and I don't think they're, they're less prone to create trouble, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. because they got their wife and families with them, I mm -hmm. think. They're, they're less, you know, they're less combative than they would be in a different situation. Uh, when we first started this interview, uh, you said that you wanted to see the world, and there was a place, Los, where were you going? Los Alamos. Los Alamos. Did you ever get to Los Alamos? No, I never have. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend died. <laughs> and your friend died, all right, because I, you went to get the police station job. Right, and, and wound up here. Mr. Glasscock, uh, are there things that you, when I called you and asked you to come and, and talk with me, uh, which you so graciously did, um, were there things that you thought I might ask you that maybe I didn't touch on, and uh, was there uh, No, I, I, I have my own opinions on that there, and, uh, and I'm glad you let me, give me the opportunity to express them. Well, you did, and, uh, and, and very well. And uh, I, I, from what you what you tell me, I would think the police force would be, and the people that you had to do with would, would have been very glad they got you. Well, uh, thank it you. Like a very fair, outspoken, but uh, fair-minded person. Um, I think that uh, um, I'd like to bring up one other thing. We spoke on the phone and I asked you to give me some background on yourself. Uh, I, I asked you um, to indicate how you might identify yourself and you said you you hope to, you think that you're a middle of the road person, a conservative who's, uh, who's worked hard, you have integrity and you're all around and a nice guy. I asked if you were a member of a minority and, and you said no. Um, you said I didn't think I was, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Could you comment on that? that that's a good question. Uh, in okay, in in a, in respects as uh, being a security or a police officer that there. I feel that I'm in, yeah, in, a, in a minority and that my viewpoints might be a minority viewpoint, uh, you know, because 
I think that people that break the laws and, and uh, stuff like that should be, you know, duly punished. And uh, and uh, uh, and I know. Then uh, getting back to the Rodney King incident, that there, I know that that you know some people get carried away and go overboard, uh, but. I just kind of view myself as a minority amongst a bigger group, you know, because of my job affiliations and that, if that makes sense to you. I'd like you to clear it up a little. It might make sense to someone else, but I, while I'm listening to you, I'm, uh, you're a minority in the police force? No, I feel that policemen like band together, and they're a minority in in a, the bigger group. In the bigger and and some of my viewpoints probably that are so influenced by uh, being a policeman for all those years and out there, you know, uh, might be held in a minority viewpoint. You know, I might be considered too conservative, uh, for instance. Uh, I don't think. Well, I am conservative. I'm a conservative person, but it's it's you know that these old time uh, stereotypes of conservative, liberal, and that. I don't think you know they're 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 not they don't define things enough because I'm conservative to a point. I'm highly conservative as far as finances and fiscal responsibilities go. But I'm really a liberal where it comes to race relations and that there. I'm probably a lot more liberal than even some of the people I work with. I work with a, a black guy and a white guy that are both so highly prejudiced that they're, it's just, uh, you know, mind boggling that, that, that they could, you know, be so prejudiced, you know, uh, one against whites and the other against blacks, you know. But, uh, uh, I just, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think things are too complex, you know, to, uh, to just put these old time stamps on them and say this or that, you know. Uh, you know, just, I just, I just think, I think things are, you know, there are so many facets and so many things to think about where along a certain line you might be highly conservative, but along another line you could be you know, yeah. considered a left winger, you know. Labels bother me too. Right. So mm -hmm. I think from that standpoint that uh, mm. uh, I'm probably that minority person. <laughs> well, can I thank you for your time and I appreciate it. Well, I've enjoyed it. I, I have. And, Good. Uh, if you if you need or like, I can give you some more names of some more people if you want to delve deeper. I've got a whole list of, of uh, guys at home that you might want to call and talk to if, yes, you, if you want that's to. Yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. Thank you. Sure.